1: All right, hey everyone, welcome to the Canadian Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. Uh, My name is uh, Chris G, sitting in for Joseph Whelan, and I'll be your host for the next hour. You can follow me on Twitter at chrishabs 360 This is episode 67, and in honor of his visit to the Bell Centre tonight, I'll baptize this episode as the Max Pacioretty edition of the (laughs) Canadian Connection. And I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, the 2013-14 37 goal scorer Max Pacioretty, to my 2017-18 17 goal scorer Max Pacioretty, Mr. Rick Stevens. <laughs> Rick, isn't this how it works?
2: Yeah, that's that's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, the Max Pacioretty. Any episode is perfect, and and welcome back. You haven't uh, you haven't lost a step. Uh, the The band's back together again. It's the Habs 360 crew. Uh, Chris, uh, um, for those that uh, those of our newer listeners, Chris uh, was host of the Habs 360 podcast for many, 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 many years uh, on uh, All Habs Hockey Magazine and and uh, Rocket Sports Radio, and and uh, coming back in pinch hitting for Joe, who is. Um, under uh, an avalanche of snow and, 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 uh, that's, that's not, uh, uh, too much of an exaggeration. Um, a, a state of emergency still exists in, in, uh, St. John's and, uh, and across Newfoundland, people are digging out. It's, um, snowmageddon. It's, it's, uh, blizzard conditions, 75 centimeters of snow up to 150 kilometers an hour in, in, uh, wind gusts and, uh, and I actually saw some pictures of a an avalanche in the outer battery that came down a a, a hill and crashed through a, a living room window and filled the uh, filled that uh, that home. Um, so many pictures online that are almost hard to believe. People opening their doors and and they're they're <laughs> they're having to shovel their way out. Uh, the doors being completely filled with snow. So listen, we've got a lot of great hockey fans in in. Uh, yeah, through across Newfoundland, uh, and many that listen to this show and uh, we understand that power is an issue right now, and that's one of the reasons that Joe is not with us uh, right now, uh, eighteen thousand without power in in St. John's. and so please take care, please stay safe. Uh, stay inside um, and uh, yeah, just just be careful. joe and and Shaq and uh, Brian and Ryan, all our great friends. Out in Saint John's and, and in Newfoundland, please uh, please be careful. Uh, from Joe, I got a message this morning. Um, he says uh, uh, um, we've managed to shovel out as far as our car and the and keep the doorways clear. Uh, the roads are completely covered. Um, it connects the top of the snowbanks uh, uh, right across the road, uh, which are the height of me. He says, uh, snow emergency is still in effect, so we're not going anywhere. So. Um, in addition to uh, dubbing this the Pachuretti podcast, we're uh, we're going to be thinking of uh, the folks in Newfoundland today and and uh, and stay safe to you all.
1: Yeah, and uh, I echo those sentiments uh, as well. Uh, we, we're gonna have a, a busy show. We're gonna start with a recap of uh, the game since the last episode, and as well as the latest uh, Montreal Canadiens news. In our second segment, we're going to tackle our big topic, which is while the Canadians currently have a good crop of prospects making their way through the system, but what happened to all of the first-round picks over the past decade. So Rick and I will discuss that as well. And in our third segment, uh, we're going to talk about some Laval Rocket with the Laval Rocket report, since uh, myself and Rick here are on uh, today's episode. And we're also going to tackle our question of the week. Because this is going to, have, this is going to become a reality uh, sooner than later for the Montreal Canadiens. And the question is, what happens to the Canadiens' lineup when Brendan Gallagher and Jonathan Drouin return? So this morning, uh, Jonathan Drouin was on the ice uh, skating. And uh, we also had news that uh, Paul Byron uh, started skating uh, as well. So... Some healthy bodies coming back for the Montreal uh, Canadiens. And Rick, why don't you tell us how the listeners can uh, interact with us?
2: Absolutely. Well, um, you're you're welcome to uh, reach us uh, on social media. Um, my uh, Twitter handle is all Habs. You can reach the show at Habs Connection. @habsconnection Habs Connection on Twitter. There's our Facebook page. Um, and uh, just look for All Habs on, on Facebook. There's over 40,000 in the All Habs uh, fan page on Facebook, and uh, we're starting to get uh, replies into uh, that uh, that question already. Uh, you can call the show live. Um, the studio number here is 213-943-3754. That's 213-943-3754, um, text us Uh, if you're listening on demand you can text us seven days a week 24 hours a day we have a rocket sports text line it's easy to remember it's 5853 rocket 5853 rocket and if you've missed any of the uh, episodes the previous episodes of uh, the canadians connection uh, just go to canadiansconnection.com and you'll see all the episodes there for you to uh, catch up on Yeah,
1: and if you're a type of mobile person, you can also go to your favorite uh, podcast platform and search for Rocket Sports Radio and hit the subscribe button. Uh, Lots of uh, good options on uh, all of those uh, platforms. All right, so let's begin with a look at uh, the four games that Canadians played since the uh, last episode. started off last Saturday as the Canadians snapped their eight-game winless streak, by being the Ottawa Senators two to one in overtime in uh, Ottawa, Ilya Kovalchuk scored a, the overtime winner, his first as a Montreal Canadiens. And during that winless streak, the Canadiens had lost six of the eight games by one goal. And while well, there was a moment in the third period when uh, when Pekka scored the tying goal, he actually scored in his own net though for the wrong team. Uh, we everyone including Mark Bergevay. They showed a picture of him on the television, how he looked nervous when uh, the, the, the game was tied. But at the end of uh, the game, Rick, a huge sigh of relief by the players and the coaching staff when Kovac scored the winner.
2: It, it was. It was uh, an odd game, kind of an even, evenly played first period. And then uh, Ottawa, uh, for the second and third period, outshot Montreal 32-9. to nine. And um, and as you said, uh, Mark uh, Bergevin could only shake his head when that uh, puck went in off Pekka. <laughs> um, and uh, then some excitement in, in uh, the overtime, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk went in alone on uh, Marcus Hochberg, uh but uh, tried to go five hole. He was stopped, uh, but got another chance um, and uh, took a, a wrister and, uh, and won the game. Uh, the, the, the players went crazy. They uh, mobbed Kovalchuk. Um, he got the game winner. Price was brilliant. It was uh, a great way to uh, break that uh, that losing streak.
1: And the Penguins got used to this winning because they did again on Monday with a 2-0 win at home against the Calgary Flames. In that game, Carey Price made 31 saves to earn his 46th career shutout, and that placed them tied for third place. In uh, in the uh, Canadiens' history with uh, Titus Cam Dryden, and in that game, Rick uh, Ryan Paling, he's been playing well uh, this season. He wasn't able to get his his name on the score sheet, but on Monday in a game against the Flames, he was finally rewarded with a goal on the, on a great play from the faceoff.
2: What a beautiful goal! Um, went in on. Uh on net uh, his first option was kind of uh eliminated so he he showed great patience held on to the puck found another way and lifted it over um uh, just a, a goal score goal and uh uh really nice um an, another uh rookie uh Kyle Flory kind of uh excited the the Bell Center crowd uh when he sent uh, when he launched uh, Milan Lucic uh and uh uh, Milan Lucic just his face uh, as he looked up off the ice uh, said it all he was like who is this kid um, and Fleury uh, Undaunted was uh, uh, also uh, a couple of big checks on Zach Ronaldo. so he uh, he sh- certainly uh, played well both well um, uh, Price, uh, Paling um, and, uh, and Flurry all uh, contributed in that game
1: then on the Wednesday night, the Chicago Blackhawks came in town and beat the Canadiens by a score of 4-1. to one. It was a game that even Claude a said after the fact that the Canadiens didn't deserve to win. And, well, it's hard to disagree with him with uh, that comment. That game, the highlight of that one, I guess, the storyline was that Max Domi was benched for, I would say, that the second half of the second period, including... Uh, he didn't play during a subsequent power play after he took a bad penalty, which resulted to the Blackhawks scoring to make the game 3-1. And Rick, it's not the first time that we've seen Max Domi take one of those uh, unnecessary penalties.
2: That's right, and and the coach uh, Claude Julien mentioned that after the game that um, why was why was he benched and why was he benched. Uh, you know, uh, for the power play when they could have used Max Domi and, and Claude Julien said, listen, this is not the first time he's taken a, a bad penalty. We've talked to him about it, and there was no reason. And and Domi admitted as much after the game um, that uh, when he looked at the replay, he couldn't believe what, what he had done, basically put a headlock. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it was one of those games where um, – you know thomas Tatar, lack of communication uh, phil Deneau, uh wasn't playing uh, much defense in his own end it was uh, it was it was a really sloppy game and and uh, one of the one of the poorer efforts we've seen in a long time
1: yeah and i think uh, this game was worse than any of the losses that they suffered during that 8 game when yeah. they uh won the shot. That was really, was really, really bad performance by the, the team. Then on Thursday, Canadians headed on the road to Philadelphia, and well after they allowed the first goal to the Flyers, Marchal scored four times to go on to win 4-1. to one. And This game, at least I, what I'll remember from it is Yefperi Kanyemi getting into his first career fight, but not only that, he... It was an easy victory decision against uh, Robert uh, Robert Hagel, the Flyers' the defenseman, and Rick it seems like his teammates appreciated the his um, I guess his actions, and they even named him their uh, their player of the game after.
2: Well, it it was it was funny because um, Carey Price, with 40 saves in the game, was uh, named first star by uh, the the Flyers broadcasters, but uh, according to Uh, the Canadians' teammates, it was uh, Yasperi Kotkaniemi who uh, was the one that uh, they recognized. And uh, I think he surprised, he he surprised a lot of uh, his teammates. He certainly surprised Robert Hagg. And um, we recall that, uh, you know, just a year ago uh, when asked, uh, I think it was by John Liu, um, uh, Kotkaniemi said he had never been in a game where there was a fight before um and uh, and he was talking about uh, his days in Finland and and then to um to get into his first fight to become a participant and to be uh, such a decisive winner uh it was uh, you know and and as as you said just uh, really appreciated by uh, the entire Canadians uh, lineup
1: yeah, it's one of those things where you'll always remember where you were when uh, when that happened. I think that's <laughs> what uh, shocked everybody. Uh, so as a result, now the Canadians are seventh place. Uh, sorry, not seventh place uh, uh, in the wild card race. They're they're seventh place. They're seven points out of a playoff picture, and well, the Rangers, Sabres, Panthers, and Flyers in between them as well. So I don't want to be a, a Debbie Downer like they say, but it's not looking good. Mm-hmm. For the Canadians, when it comes to a um, for a playoff spot.
2: Well, if it's we it's funny now. because because last week, uh, just to add, um, last week we we're saying that the Canadians had a three percent chance of making the playoffs on this show. They won they won three out of four games, and uh, their playoff their their chances only went up one percent. Right now, today yeah. they have a four percent chance of making the playoffs. That that just kind of shows um how how tough it's going to be and and right now projected for just uh eighty five points,
1: yeah, just just the seven points is at this point hard enough to catch up, but adding the fact that there's also four other teams separating them, it's gonna be real tough for them so all right, so let's move on now, start looking at some of the news items uh rates of Montreal Canadiens from uh, the last week uh let's begin with Pierre Lebrun, who reported on TSN and in The Athletic, that he spoke to Mark Bergevin, and Mark Bergevin told him that he has zero intention of trading Shea Weber and Carey Price before the trade deadline. And while this news, uh, pretty much just like any news related to Trade Talk and much Talk gets uh, social media and the media in general and fans buzzing, and all I saw... On social media, we're fans saying that we've heard this before from Mark Bergeron when uh, he said the same thing for uh, for P.K. Subban years ago. And uh, in his in Elliot Freeman's blog, the Thirty One Thoughts, uh, he said that he spoke to Carey Price's agent uh, Jerry Johansson, and he told him that there's nothing going on when it comes to uh, Price's uh, future with uh, with the team. And personally. I didn't feel like this was even news. I don't think Pierre LeBrun needed to ask the general manager for for this kind of news because even if Mark Brejeven wanted to trade Price or Shea Weber, it wouldn't have happened at the trade deadline. It would happen in uh, the um, the uh, the off season. So, Rick, how did how did you react when you heard that report?
2: Well, I guess um, Mark Bergevin um, uh, started hearing back. It's 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 one thing if these kinds of, of, of discussions are happening on social media, but it's entirely a different thing. Uh, we saw a, a, a story on Sportsnet that that uh, Price and Weber should be traded. Uh, 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 Global Montreal, uh, some of the French outlets. Uh, and it became it started building some steam and, and so I guess that that Mark Bergeron felt that he had to uh, kind of put an end to to those rumors and um, and yeah and, and and he did so. He, he's, he said quite clearly that um, he's not he's not even going to entertain the idea. If someone calls, um, he's not he's not even gonna listen and and that his plan is, that, that price and Weber are integral to his his plan that they're the cornerstones and he wants to surround them with um, the, uh, the younger players the the, uh, the and and the ones that they're adding uh, the prospects that they're adding and that they've added through the draft so that he's saying that that price and Weber are going nowhere now I think that the other part of that is they wouldn't be going anywhere unless they wanted to anyway with, with Bryce having a, you know, a full no move uh, uh, contract um, he would have to be enticed to go. And, and everything we've heard from him is uh, that he's um, happy where he is and that he wants to win a cup with Montreal. Same for Weber. Um, So I, I think this kind of, hopefully uh, this ends this, for now, but it's Montreal, so we're likely. This is likely to come up uh, once again.
1: Yeah, and uh, like I said, even if they were entertaining the the thought uh, between Price and Weber, I think Carey Price would be the harder one to to trade because number one, like you said, Price would need to waive his no movement clause, so he'd want to go to to a particular team, and number two, the team would need to have the cap room as well to accommodate his uh, his contract. When it comes to Shea Weber, uh, I think he would be easier to trade if they wanted to go that route. Even though he has six years remaining in his contract, the cap is actually higher than the actual uh, salaries that he'll be paid uh, going forward. So some of the so that might make it more interesting. So some of the teams that are actually on the on the real uh, budget. All right. In other in other news. Uh, it was a surprise. At least I was surprised when I heard it on uh, Wednesday that uh, Gerard Gallant was fired by uh, the Vegas Knights and uh, replaced by Peter De Bauer. We'll see him behind the bench uh, tonight at uh, the Bell Center. At the time of the firing, Vegas was ninth place in the Western Conference. Uh, Gallant was coaching the Knights for uh, in their third for the third season. He brought them to the Stanley Cup final in their inaugural season, something that, well, I wasn't expecting. I don't think many people expected that as well. And then last year they lost in a controversial Game 7. You know, it was a bad penalty kill, a five-minute stretch that cost them the series against uh, the San Jose Sharks um, in the Round 1 of last season. Rick, were you surprised of the news when you heard it?
2: absolutely um and that's two kind of weird firings for uh Gerard Gallant, um one in Florida and, and now in Vegas um he's done a great job um but i understand Pete DeBoer is a great coach uh terrific coach and and when you have uh the, the chance to bring in somebody of that caliber um they didn't wait and and it it seems to be uh this season uh the the coaching carousel um you know you have uh, Mike Babcock out and Sheldon Keefe in um uh Devils fired John Hines, uh, John Hines, and then John Hines was uh hired by the Predators who fired Peter Laviolette Peter Laviolette still uh on the market um De, uh, Pete DeBoer fired by the Sharks they brought in Bob Bugner. then Pete DeBoer <laughs> hired by the by Vegas. So there's been, um, and, and um, Bill Peters and Jim Montgomery for other reasons, but there's been a real, um, um, I don't know, uh, 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 I I think the the record is uh, 11 coaches fired in a year. We're we're getting close and and we could get near that, that record. Uh, So it kind of prompted uh, Canadians fans. I I think Gerard Gallant was well-loved when he was in Montreal. He was seen as the the players coach kind of the intermediary intermediary between, um, uh, Michelle Therrien and, and his players and, uh, had some success. Um, and so, uh, asked the question, they had a poll, uh, would you like to see Gerard Gallant return, uh, as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens? You know, there's a lot of dis- dissatisfaction with, uh, Claude Julien and um, I, I guess I was a little surprised by the results there too 55% of their respondents and they had a lot of response uh, said they want uh, Gerard Gallant as the head coach of the Montreal Canadians so um, you know maybe times are changing I, of course uh, Gerard Gallant uh, kind of unilingual um, um, maybe uh, Canadians fans are tired of, of waiting for success and would take any you know um, not not be as restrictive in their choices as they once were
1: and when uh, so, Bob McKenzie back in uh, when Michel Terrain got fired and Claude Julien was fired, Bob McKenzie had reported that Canadians had also asked permission to speak to Gerard Gallon. so maybe there was some kind of interest back then so I wouldn't necessarily uh, if the Canadians do go into that direction of replacing Claude Julien I, I'm thinking that uh, Gerard Galland would be one of the names that they're, uh, they're going to talk to. But just like you mentioned, uh, Rick, like we've always heard positive feedback from the players when it comes to Gerard Galland. But you said, like you said, he was fired in a bizarre uh, situation in Florida as well. So uh, I don't know, I'm thinking out loud here, like, is he... Is he have there's something going on behind the scenes in the sense where maybe the general managers have a hard time dealing with him because I really find this bizarre, uh, the way that he's been fired uh, twice, Gerard
2: Hard to say. We haven't heard anything in that direction. And of course, you know, there's going to be, we'll see uh, he has connections to Detroit and uh, we'll see uh, if Steve Iserman has some, some interest. Um, uh, Blaze Hill is not uh, was not a Steve Eiserman pick, so um, you know that could be a, 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 an ending point for him. But um, it is surprising. Yeah, just looking for my list here. The longest tenured coaches presently in the NHL are John Cooper with Tampa, Paul Maurice with Winnipeg, and number three. It, it uh, it shocks me that Jeff Blazehill is the third longest tenured coach wow. in the NHL with Detroit. Um, so maybe um, uh, that's a, a good landing place for um, uh, Gerard Gallant, but uh, surprised to see that uh, uh, there would be some interest in Montreal. And, and for those uh, wondering, well, you know, what about uh, Kirk Muller? What about uh, uh, Dominic Descharmes? i I think what we've seen in the NHL is – um that there's experience matters and as i mentioned on the, the podcast last week of the 31 teams in the nhl 20 have former nhl head coaches working as an assistant lots of experience on the bench dominic Jasharm doesn't have uh doesn't have that pro experience uh joel bouchard doesn't have that pro experience um so um That's why there's this talk about Gallant and others, um, even LaViolette being uh, a good fit for Montreal. Uh,
1: If we move on now and uh, talk about uh, a player we we spoke about briefly uh, when we were going through the recap, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk. Uh, Just since the last episode, he scored the overtime winner against the Ottawa Senators. He picked up an assist in the game against the Blackhawks scored two goals against the, the Flyers, which brought his totals with the Canadians to three goals, four assists in seven games. So he's a point-per-game player. And if we look, if I look at it from a pure hockey perspective, at the time of the signing, I agreed with the fact that Mark Pressure said that it was no-risk move. I thought it was a desperate move, but in, like I said, in terms of hockey, I think it wasn't any risk. With that being said, I didn't know what to expect from Ilya Kovalevich, but Rick, I wasn't expecting him to have this kind of start with uh, with my talking again.
2: Well, I think that um, I, I I think that we we've always known that that um, Ilya Kovacuk can can uh, score goals, he can contribute points, and um, he was he was actually doing that in los angeles um but he was termed a defensive liability in uh in los angeles he he was five on five he was worse defensively uh for the Kings, so he kept being bumped down the the order finally played most of the time uh in a fourth line role and he just wasn't outscoring his ability to defend if you know what i mean um i think here there's kind of been a, a different lens put on Kovalchuk. I think that most fans are comfortable with the um, notion that, that the Canadians are not going to make the playoffs this season. Um, and, and they're excited by Kovalchuk and, and, you know, defense be damned, let him, let him, let him play on the first line and score goals. And, and um, to his credit, Julian's kind of kind of held his nose uh, normally uh Claude Julian would uh uh be more concerned about uh Kovalchuk's defensive game, but he's held his nose, left him on the first line, let him let him score um I think if this team was in playoff contention, we'd see Kovalchuk's play a little bit differently or maybe a lot differently um because the defensive game still isn't there but uh, you know allowing him to score goals allowing him to build confidence allowing him to enjoy the game and be comfortable um you know he's been involved physically he's using his his size um he's he's um, you know equally um goal scorer versus uh playmaker um he's been he's been great and i think that um, this kind of is seen as an audition for uh, the other 30 teams, well, the playoff-bound uh, teams in the NHL. Um, and um, so he's been treated a little bit differently, and that's why uh, we're seeing the best of Ilya Kovalchuk and, uh, and, and good for him. He's really worked hard to uh, fit into the lineup, to be part of the team, uh, and and he's um, and he 's having production on the ice as well
1: yeah and, and we've seen also the seems like he 's been like a positive impact in the dressing room as well like we saw the reaction of the of the other players when he scored in the Ottawa game. We heard the players talking uh, as well on how um, like the presence that Kovalchuk has brought into the dressing room like a lot of these players the younger players. Do you remember Kovalchuk from the video game when you were playing NHL when you were younger? So for them, having him in the dressing room seems to be uh, special. And if it's extra motivation, well, good uh, good for them for bringing that kind of energy. So so this is a good transition now for us to discuss our question of the week because the Canadians, after tonight's game against the, uh, the Golden Knights, they're headed off to their bye week, returning the following Monday. And when the Canadians return from their bye week, uh, Jonathan Drewain should make his return or being very close to his return. Uh, Brendan Gallagher should be closer as well to, uh, to his return as well. So, Kobochuk, he's been playing with uh, Tatar and uh, Philip Danone on the top line, which is normally Brandon Gallagher's spot. Uh, before the injury, Jonathan Drouin was also having a, a good start to the season when he suffered that injury in the game against the, against the Washington Capitals. So, what to do with all these bodies, with all these players up front for the Montreal Canadiens? I'll take, I'll take a first time at it, Rick, and then I'll, I'll let right. you comment or, or give out your selections. I'm gonna put Gallagher back on the first line with Tatar, and uh Dano. So I'm gonna put them back together. They've been consistent for like the over years. They've been playing together, so I'm not gonna to touch that. I'm gonna put them back together. The second line. This one is a really interesting line that I put together. I'm sure you're gonna love this one. <laughs> on the left, on the left side, Jonathan Droy. Center, Max Domi, right wing, Ilya Kovalchuk. So that would be my my second line for the Canadians. My third line, a line that I've I've liked, uh, I've always wanted them to play together, is uh, left wing, Kotkaniemi at center, and Armia on the right. So the finish line. And then on the fourth line, uh bottom, I don't know, I'd put Nick Cousins, but that's a spot where you could rotate the turning wheels and all these players coming in. Then at center I'd put uh Ryan Paling, right wing, Nick Suzuki. So those that would be my fourth line. So essentially it would be Paling at center, Suzuki at right wing, and then just rotate the players on uh on left wing.
2: Well um I, I guess I, I for me um the uh, and and again this it would be that the my lineup would look different if the canadians were competing for a playoff spot but the only thing that is happening now is is giving experience to the younger players and auditioning um some talent uh for other teams so um I would leave Kovalchuk exactly where he is. I I love the chemistry of of Gallagher, uh, Tatar and Denno, um, but if if we're showcasing Ilya Kovalchuk for a trade, uh, and he's been producing on that first line, leave him exactly where it is, where he is. Um, and and who knows it it, it um, he you know uh, it it may be a matter of a few games it may be a matter of a few weeks uh before that spot opens up again uh via trade uh and Gallagher moves back into it uh but that would mean that that uh Gallagher would play on the the second line he's he's had some success with uh Domi in the past um i would have uh Gallagher and Domi uh on the wings um, uh, Nick Suzuki has looked great, uh, at center. Um, he's, he's better defensively, um, than Domi when he plays center. He's better on face-offs than Domi. I think we need to, um, get uh, Domi used to playing back on the wing again. Um, so that would be your second line. Uh, the third line would, um, I think would vary. ha uh, uh, had his most success at the beginning of the year when he was playing on the third line. Uh, kakanyemi has been playing well. Armia's uh, had a strong year, as we know. So um, I would have uh, Druan, Kakanyemi and Armia together at times, depending on the matchup. We'd have Lekanen and... and uh, I see Lekanen and... Um, uh Drouin as kind of interchangeable uh in that in that left wing spot uh one of them playing third line uh, and one of them playing fourth line depending on the on the matchup Paling has got to move to center he would take over the the fourth line center role and thompson to be there for um on his on his uh wing to uh step in uh on faceoffs on occasion and uh and that way it would would also um free up mark bergevin to uh, trade some of these players, uh, whether it be Wheel or Cousins or, or Weiss or, or any of those that uh, have been filling in on the fourth line.
1: Yeah, and, and for sure, like you said, like, this would give some extra, some extra players because, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Paul Byron is skating also, so he's going to be back eventually. So for sure that there's uh, some uh, some players that logically should be moved. From Trent deadline, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Apparently, uh, the management team will take advantage of the bye week to uh, prepare a game plan for uh, the rest of the season. So we'll see uh, what comes out of that. Uh, by the way, you can leave your thoughts on these questions at All Habs on Twitter or on the All Habs fan page on the Facebook, and we're gonna read your responses uh, later on this hour. But right now, we're gonna take our first break here on the Canadians Connection. Coming up next in our Big topic segment, we'll discuss the Canadians' first-round draft picks in the last decade. Stay with us. This is the Canadian Connection podcast on the Rocket Sports Radio.
0: Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, An experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news? With game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around, allhabs.net.
1: All right. Welcome back to Canadian's Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris G. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. With me in the studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Eric Stevens. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, All and you can also follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit our website at com. All right. So and- moving on now to our big.
2: I was just Go going ahead. to say, keep in mind that you can uh, you can call us live, uh, calling the studio number, 213-943-3754, listening on demand. We'll just remind you of the Rocket Sports text line at five eight five three rocket
1: And uh, earlier this month, uh, the Canadians traded uh, Michael McTiernan to Nashville for uh, for Laurent Dauphin, so that was another first round draft pick no longer with the Canadians organization. And while former Karen was clear that he was no longer in the team's plans, uh, in our big topic this week, we're going to take a look at the Canadian's first round draft picks. Uh, we'll look at it in the Mark Pergevin mm-hmm. era because I think that's the most uh, relevant for us to look at for uh, today. Uh, so Mark Pergevin, he was hired in May 2012, which was a little over a month uh, prior to the draft in June where the Canadiens selected Alex Galchenyuk as uh, third overall and if you look back now it's always easier to look at uh, these things uh, years after they've happened the 2012 draft uh, wasn't the best draft in history like overall not talking about just the Montreal Canadiens but at that time Alex Galchenyuk he was a uh, good uh, he was a good pick even if you look at the uh, draft results of, sorry, the, the the stats in the NHL for the players who were drafted that year, Alex Galchenyuk has played the most games in the NHL and is second in points from the draft behind Philip Forsberg, who selected who selected eleventh from uh, the Washington Capitals. And we know now that uh, Alex Galchenyuk became uh, Max Domi. Well, at least so far, I think he's had a good uh, one-and-a-half year with the Montreal Canadiens. In uh, 2013, uh, the Canadiens, like I mentioned, selected Michael McCarron. They selected him 25th overall in the first round. In terms of his points in the NHL, he got eight of them in 69 games played. And that one, when I looked at uh, some of the draft rankings that were made prior to the 2013 drafts, Based on the based on the projections, it looked like the Canadians went a little bit off the boards to select Michael McCarron because they wanted a big forward. That's what the Canadians, that was the gap the Canadians were trying to fill at that time. And that, I guess you could say, ended up being a bad pick. If you look at it right after the Canadians picked Michael McCarron, Shea Theodore was drafted right after that. And if you look at the Canadian second round picks. Of that year, Drake abdel and Arthur Lekkonen, you could say those were probably better picks than their first round picks. That's kind of weird, Rick, eh? In uh, 2014, uh, the Canadians drafted Nikita Sherb at 26th overall in the first round. In terms of his points, uh, in the NHL, he got eight of them in 37 games played. And right now he's playing in the, the uh, KHL. Uh, that one too. when I looked at the draft rankings that were done ahead of that draft. Uh, all the projections that I saw, uh, he was between 14th and 35th. So, Scherbach being selected 26th. You know, you can't say it's a bad pick. He didn't go off the board, right, if he ranks between those spots. But I just him it just, you know, for multiple reasons – uh, it just never worked out between the Sherbeck and the Canadians. And even if you look at the picks that were selected around Nikita Sherbach and right after him, they weren't uh, that great either. In the 2015, the Canadians drafted Noah Juice in 26th overall. He's played 44 games in the NHL and he's gotten eight points. And uh, right now, he's in the trail with the Laval Lockett, but he hasn't been playing. He's barely played in, over the last two seasons because of migraines that have caused him to miss most of the last two seasons. Uh, I think it would be unfair right now to say if this is a good or draft pick, considering uh, the, the 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 migraine issue that he's had. So we'll send him complete for for now. But when I looked at, as well as the draft rankings and projections ahead of the 2015 draft. Most of them had him picked as a late first round, early second round pick, which is where he was selected by the Canadian. So hard to say, uh, it would be hard to say that it was a bad pick when that's where he was projected to be selected. And finally, the last pick that we'll look, that we'll look at um, today was in 2016. Ninth overall, the Canadiens selected uh, Mikhail Sergachev, who is now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And if you look at the 2016 draft, at least as of now, uh, the two best defensemen that were selected from the draft are Sergeyev and, you know, Charlie McEvoy is also a good defenseman for the Boston Bruins. So that was a good pick as well from the Montreal Canadiens. And while Sergachev. We know what the result is. He he was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Jonathan Joy, who's had a uh, up and down stint with the Montreal Canadiens uh, so far. So, Rick, uh, what are your takeaways from uh, from this draft list that I just went through?
2: Yeah, I I think that's that's all um, very well said and. Um, I think when, when this circulated and certainly it was triggered by, um, Michael McCarran being traded and, and as we know, um, Michael McCarran, um, a couple of issues there, um, uh, um, difficulty processing the game, um, uh, you know, at a, at a, at a high level and, and discipline problems. And, and, uh, so was finally traded to Nashville. Um, but when you look at that list and and the the list that was uh circulated um uh on Twitter by uh, cap friendly um it's it's you see traded after after the the uh, prospects name and and there there's goes back to 2009 a little bit uh, beyond the scope uh that you're talking about with with uh, respect to um Mark Bergevin's tenure and you see traded a lot and and um, many people were quick to blame uh, the scouting staff or uh Shane churla or trevor Timmons. and and i don't i don 't think that criticism is is warranted because, as you said, um, there were draft picks that were um, absolutely the right pick uh, Galchenyuk was the right pick Sergeyev was the right pick uh, noel Jul- Noah Julson, if not for uh, injury issues was probably the right pick. Um, Nikita Sherback was always, um, in, in that, uh, that 2014 draft was always thought of as a project. And as far as projects, um, um, if he had been kept engaged, he, you know, he could have have worked out very well. When you look at, uh, the rest of that draft, Um, If the Canadians had been able to move up, even one spot uh, taken just above Sherback was David Pasternak, who's obviously lighting it up for the Boston Bruins. But after Sherback, you don't find a lot of anything um, until you get well down into the the third round, the 79th pick with Braden Point. Um, So it's not like the Canadians missed out on, uh, well, most people most teams missed out on on uh, Braden Point but it's not as if um uh you know the Canadians missed out on players that that others found uh there just wasn't a lot there at that point in the draft um you look at that pick of Michael McCarron and we know from from um things said publicly by uh, Mark Bergevin and by Trevor Timmons Michael McCarron wasn't Trevor Timmons pick. That was, that was Mark Bergevin wanting to respond to the, the notion that the Canadians were a small team. Uh, He was also wanting to respond to the notion that they hadn't drafted a, a a goaltender from Quebec in quite a long time. And, and they selected Zach Fucali in the second round. Those were, those were thought of as Mark Bergevin picks. So, not something you can blame on the scouting staff there um and when when you go back you know even further on that list to to louis leblanc the same thing happened it was ownership that wanted at the 2009 draft in montreal wanted uh the the hometown guy in in leblanc instead of chris Kreider, who uh, trevor timmons would have uh selected um so it's 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 really tough um um I, I think that uh the Canadians have 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 done well um but um it it hurts when when the when the the players are are traded away and, and not able to be brought into the, the lineup. Mikhail Sergachev, a perfect example, um, was supposed to move nicely into that left hand defenseman slot when Markov left and then um you know, once he was traded away, there's never been a a, a solution for that. Um, we saw the um, uh, the Flyers on Thursday, and uh, I I found it quite interesting just looking at their lineup and looking at um, uh, similar uh, uh, kind of comparison. And if you look at their first round pick in 2011 was Couturier. He's he's uh, you know top. Uh, top six on the team. Uh, Lawton um, picked in two twelve. Uh, Sam Moran um, in in uh, 2013. We know he's he's had a series of injuries. Uh, Travis Sandheim, uh, who's been terrific on defense. Provorov is their, their top defenseman. He was selected in 2015. Uh, 2015. They had a second first-round pick in 2015. That was uh, Konechny. Uh, and then in uh, 2016, it was Rubsoff who has played a couple of games in the NHL but is uh, with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. So um, you see how drafting and not trading away those picks, developing them, transitioning them, transitioning them has allowed uh, other teams to uh, to compete, and, and it also ha- helps the cap situation. I think for fans, the most important takeaway in – in, in my mind, is that there are three components to bringing a, a prospect into your lineup. Um, that's uh, scouting and drafting, and that would be under the, the umbrella of, of, uh, of Shur, uh, Churla and and Timmins. Um, you have the development folks, and that can be in the, the AHL, uh, but it also can be uh, making sure that the development staff are going out to uh, junior hockey and and uh, ncaa hockey and keeping those guys engaged and and uh, working on things working on their conditioning and their nutrition uh so that's a second aspect of it and then there's the aspect of transitioning prospects into the nhl and unfortunately that's left to the coaching staff at the nhl level and we've seen in michelle Terrian and Claude Julian, uh, probably uh, two of the worst examples of transitioning young players uh, into an NHL lineup and and giving them opportunities to be successful, and that may have been uh, a big problem with the Canadians when it comes to um, uh, having successful prospects uh, more so than than uh, uh, poor drafting.
1: Yeah, and at the same time, like uh, when it comes to the NHL coaches. I I think it puts them in a difficult spot uh, as well, because the NHL coaches like they're judged on wins and and losses. So it's uh, I find it that they're put in a difficult situation when they have to put a player like a, a rookie player. Then if he makes a mistake and it costs them the game then that falls on uh, falls on a coach. That's where I find it. It's, it's difficult for any NHL coach. But if you look at the canadians specifically this season, like now at this point where they're at, where like we mentioned at the top of the, the show, it's, I won't say impossible, but it's nearly impossible for them to make it to the playoffs. In this type of scenario, I think this is a time where, you know, a kill series isn't playing again tonight. Based on what we saw this morning, like why why isn't he playing? And it's not like Kill Free, he wasn't playing bad, so there's no reason for him not to play. Uh, when we we're talking about our lines in the first segment, we both had Ryan Paling playing center on the fourth line because Ryan Paling, he's a centerman. Like, right now, you don't need Thompson anymore, like, the Knights aren't making it to the playoffs, so you know. Uh, Clear the space out, get uh, Nate Thompson out of the way, and put him play in his uh, position. Uh, and then on the other hand, like there's the ex- I find that the exception this year that we've seen from uh, from the way that Claude Julien has has uh, has been playing Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki, we've seen him. He's made mistakes throughout the season, like especially defensively. Uh, at one point, we saw. Um, you playing him on the fourth line. It was fourth line and power play minutes. But he's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Nick Suzuki has ever sat, it didn't, hasn't had a game this season. So it looks like for Nick Suzuki, he trusts him in any situation. And then you look at, I think it was games this week where Ryan Paling and Kat Kanyemi played less than 10 minutes each. So it's a little bit conflicting on the way that the coach uses them. And I think that's what. Uh,
2: it's a little confusing
1: that the way that uh, he's treating the youngsters. So
2: my, my only complaint with respect to Nick Suzuki, and I think you're right is that um, certainly uh, there was, there was a moment uh, there where uh, Nick Suzuki um, played center, uh, bumped uh, Max Domi to the wing and Max Domi kind of, he pouted a bit, (laughs) but um, I think, I think the, 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 that you know, they have to sit Max Domi down and say, uh, "You're you're you're our winger. You you're, um, you're you're struggling in in the face-off circle. Uh, it's it's easier for you defensively on the wing. We need you to be free to move up and down the wing and uh, shoot the puck. And and um, and and that it's no uh, knock on him in moving to the wing and 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 make sure that." that uh nick suzuki becomes a fixture at center like you said just like uh ryan Paling, uh those two have to be fixtures at center for the rest of the season um and give them as much experience as possible uh in their in the position that they're going to be playing with the montreal Canadiens.
1: yeah and we'll see what this uh what this management decision will be during uh, the bye week, on what to do after that, but based on where they are, I expect them that the the rookies, the youngsters, get more ice time from now until the uh, the end of the season. But we'll uh, we'll see what happens. All right, we're gonna take our final break here in the Canadian Connection. Up next, we're we'll to read your replies to our question of the week. What happens to the lineup when Brendan Gallagher and Jonathan Joy returns? Stay with us. You're listening to the Canadian's Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: The Canadian's Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands
1: Welcome back to episode 67 of the Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Half Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit our website at CanadianConnection.com. And you can text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line at 5853 Rocket. All right, time now to tackle our question of the week. So this morning, Jonathan Joy, uh skated. Once again, he's been skating regularly for the last week or so. Uh, Brendan Gallagher is imminent to returning to the lineup as well, uh, uh, hopefully right after the All-Star break. And as Rick and I mentioned, there's a lot of players, a lot of forwards up with the Canadians once everybody's healthy. So we're asking, like, what would you do with the lineup when everybody returns? I'll begin with uh, our our uh, comments on the Twitter. Uh, Sean Lanigan, he puts the first line to be Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher. Then Domi, Suzuki, and uh, Komochuk. The third line, Armia, Katkanyemia, and Joy. I'm assuming Druai should have be been left and then Armin right. And then on the fourth line, Paling, Thompson, and uh, Lekunen. Philly Fibs uh, has the same lines actually it's the same lines That uh, the challenge so they're in uh, agreement. Uh, Matt Smith okay so these are a little bit different lines. Tartar, Danone Gallagher. Joanne with Dolme Narmia. Kovalchuk with Kotkanyemi and Suzuki. So you'll have a veteran with the two rookies on that line and then the fourth line will be Lekunen Thompson and Paling and then the last tweet that uh, we'll look at it comes from uh, Freddie Mills. Uh, he's the only one that put actually Kovalchuk in the top line who kept him there with Tatar the and the no. The second line, Juane, Suzuki, and Gallagher. The third line, Domi, Kotkaniemi, and Armia. And the fourth line is Lekkonen, Paling, And well, Freddie brought uh, Paul Byron back into the lineup as well. So so thank you very much, everybody, for your tweets. Rick, what does it look like on uh, the All Habs Facebook page? Uh,
2: If you want to join uh, the conversation uh, on the uh, fan page, the All Habs Hockey Magazine fan page, just search for All Habs on Facebook, um, and uh, it'll take uh, you to the community that we have there, uh, over forty thousand Canadians fans uh, who are always um, uh, only too happy to share their opinions. Uh, so, in answering the question, uh, "What do the lines look like um, when uh, Brendan Gallagher and Jonathan Drouin return?" Uh, Craig Snook says Bergevin is the problem. Uh, seems to be mm-hmm. um, uh, they they the folks on Facebook don't want to uh, talk about. Uh, issues they want uh, to talk about Mark Bergevin. Jason Martin said, it uh, doesn't matter. It's too late. Ron White says uh, the, the team is toast. Um, Mark Bazanson says, well, it's too late now, but uh, wish we had gotten Kovalchuk a month ago. Who knows what would have happened? Uh, Alan Valancourt says uh, Canadians need a major overhaul. Um, Art Pollard says, uh, what will the lines look like? Well, they'll look improved, says Art. Um, Kieran Holman, uh, he provided us some lines. And Kieran says, Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher uh, on the top line. Um, he has uh, an interesting line as his second line, Domi, Suzuki, and Paling. Uh, Suzuki and Paling um, played together for a couple of shifts and looked pretty good. Third line, he has uh, Armia, Kotkaniemi, and Kovalchuk. Um, that's an uh, interesting line as well. And on the fourth line, uh, Byron Thompson and Lekkonen. Um You may have noticed that he's left uh, Jonathan Drouin out, and he writes a second message <laughs> and said, oh, no, I forgot about Drouin. And then that uh, <laughs> that sends him into a bit of a tizzy. But um so it it is a, a pro. It's going to be a problem, I guess, uh, but maybe a good problem to have if you're the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's uh so this just it's obvious that like a move has to be made by uh, during trade uh, before the trade deadline, whether it be minor or a little bit more significant assets. But there's definitely uh, room. There's definitely something that general manager. has uh, has to do. So so thank you everybody for participating into uh, this week's question of the week.
0: This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network.
1: All right, Rick, it's one of those rare times where we're both on the air. We could both speak about the Laval Rocket at the same time, so we're going to take advantage of it with a rocket report. Uh, The Rocket in uh, Winnipeg right now to face the Manitoba Moose uh, today, this afternoon, and uh, tomorrow, both games at 3 Eastern. So that means uh, today's game will begin in under one hour's time. Caden Primo has been confirmed as the starting. Uh, goaltender for this afternoon's game and he had a, a difficult game uh, last week on uh, Sunday, being replaced after allowing uh, three goals in the first uh, five shots. Uh, right now, the Rockets fifth place in the North Division. They're one point uh, behind the Toronto Marlies and the Marlies do have uh, one game in hand. So the about Rockets first in the mix for a playoff spot and who knows, like if Things don't go well in Montreal. I'm, I'm hoping if that more fans turn and pay attention to uh, the Laval Rockets who are at least battling for a, a playoff spot uh, right now. Uh, earlier this week, uh, maybe the, maybe he scored in his own net, but Pekka was returned back to Laval Rockets. And what this does is creates an abundance of veteran players on the roster. So the NHL has I think it's called a development rule or a veteran rule where you can have more than five veterans on uh, in your starting lineup. And the Rocket right now have Phil Veroni, Christian Foline, Carl Osner, Chad Ludon, Matthew Pecca, uh, Xavier Wallet, and Yannick Vinner. So not all not all those players can play in the same game. We still haven't gotten word on uh, what's going to happen in uh, today's lineup. But Rick, Rick, this hasn't happened for the Rockets since their first year in Laval. So they didn't have this issue last year, but the first year in Laval, they, they did have this issue as well, and there's those veterans who had to, I guess, sit in and out of the lineup because of it. But in a situation like this where there's so many veterans on the team, I don't think it's good news for anybody it's not good news for the veterans because they want to play it's not good for uh uh, well the young players because they need to play for development and it forces a coach uh to make decisions that well if like regardless i think what the decisions are made uh it's it's not a good situation
2: it's not a good situation at all and and we saw that um it uh um affected uh uh Josh Brook last week and 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 not specifically the the veteran rule but but the the um you know it's a, it's a it's a balancing mat, uh, um, act in in the AHL. um certainly teams want to win and we know that with the canadians it would be uh with with the Montreal Canadiens uh likely not to make the playoffs, but the Laval Rocket uh in contention, uh battling for a playoff spot, there is that temptation uh to put your resources there and and uh play those those veterans and to make sure that there's some playoff hockey uh in the Montreal area when it comes to uh April. Uh but that has uh, a negative effect on on um your development program, which is supposed to be what the AHL is all about, and um, but you know uh, some of these things might get um, sorted out by the time uh, the trade deadline happens. Um, you know, could uh, uh, Charles Houdon and, and Matthew Peck, who you mentioned, uh, could they be uh, a part of, of uh, uh, trading um, uh, to other teams and given new starts? Um, uh, you know, maybe even, uh, if, if the Canadians are, are, uh, uh, unloading Nate Thompson or, or Jordan wheel or Dale Weiss, uh, th- does that open up spots for, for some of the other, maybe a barber or to, to move up and fill the spots and, and, uh, give more opportunity for, uh, the younger players. We'll, we'll see where the Canadians put their focus, their emphasis, their priorities, uh but right now it's a, it's a real juggling match for the, the Laval uh coaching staff. Uh and and um we'll we'll have two games uh this weekend, two Matinee games in Manitoba and Winnipeg. Uh and the uh I know that the AHL report uh team will be uh all over the coverage of both of those games.
1: Yeah, definitely like uh uh, complete coverage of both these games this weekend. I'll be at Fastball on Wednesday nights when uh, Laval hosts a Syracuse Crunch. And the Crunch are gonna be looking for events because Laval just recently beat them uh, twice. So I'm sure the Crunch will wanna get payback on Laval and it's kinda weird because in the recent in the recent history Syracuse has always had success over Laval except for these uh last uh last two games. So follow uh, the AHL report for complete coverage. And also there's a front the press box with, uh, with Rick Stevens and uh, Amy Johnson, who will also give you a little more complete uh, coverage of the Laval Rocket and the American Hockey League.
0: This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network.
1: And Rick, why don't you talk to us also about the Canadians' coverage on, uh, on the Rocket Sports team?
2: Absolutely. Um, we'll have a, a game preview uh, ahead of the tonight's game uh, against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Sam Gerber um, uh, masterfully puts together the game day previews Uh, and i help out with the uh with uh, some of the stats on that and and uh, we'll have that out we'll have a full game recap uh following the game and uh and we'll have all kinds of coverage i i also want to mention um just uh the the kind of content we have on all habs um hockey magazine we were talking about a bit of a of uh, a disaster for, for people, uh, the storm, uh, the blizzard in um, uh, Newfoundland. Uh, There's also on the other side of the world, we have, we have fans that are, are across the globe and we, we hear from them regularly. We're in contact with them regularly and we have a lot of hockey fans in Australia and they're going through a bit of a tough time right now. Uh, with all the bushfires, those being uh, set mostly by arsonists, 183 uh, have been uh, arrested or, or uh, given citations already, and, and it's causing havoc there, especially for the animals. So Kate, uh, Rachel, um, and, and uh, Andy, uh, who's uh, a one a member of our team in New Zealand, have have looked at all kinds of options to to kind of help out with the fundraising and uh and they've put together a a, a bit of a, a fundraiser if you want to help out fellow hockey fans who are going through a tough time right now in Australia and look for that particular article in our Rocket Power section uh in All Habs magazine so we've got a little bit of everything uh on uh, uh as part of uh All Habs and uh Rocket Sports Media
1: and also a reminder to uh, to go to your Favorite uh, podcast platform. Uh, look for uh, Rocket Sports Radio and hit the subscribe button to get all of the great uh, podcast uh, coverage provided by the, the Rocket Sports team. Whether it's uh, on Apple or Spotify or TuneIn, uh, Rocket Sports Radio is on it. And uh, or you can go to ConnectConnection.com to uh, find the latest episodes of this uh, podcast. So Rick, we're gonna wrap it up. It was great to be back in this chair for uh, uh, for a week for a special appearance.
2: Great to have you back, Chris. Did a great job. Um, you're always welcome here. And uh, again, we we wish uh, Joe well as he as he digs out and all the folks in St. John's and across Newfoundland.
1: And uh, also here's the the time where I give myself a soft plug. I remind you you can check out my HABS notepad on NotHabs.net every Monday, and uh, my Laval Rocket coverage on uh, AHL.Report. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. Joseph will be back next Saturday with Rick at 1 p.m. Eastern.
0: Thank you for listening, and
1: I'll uh, talk to you soon.
0: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at have Connections and visit allhabs.net.